there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's my favorite music. You haven't heard it in a while. We took a little break. Wanted to regroup, make sure we were continuing to do, or I was continuing to do quality stuff, man. So I held out, I took a shot in the dark, and I got him. I I got somebody that I've been dying to talk to, and before you you folks go, oh, not a not a West Side angle. It's not just a West Side angle. It's great in the community. Been multiple places. Um, you folks have commented on his social media presence and kind of the messages that he portrays as a leader. I have Westside's new newly hired principal with me, Dr. Jay Dostal with us. Should I say doc? Should I say Jay? Yesterday you told me Jay. I don't know if I feel good with that. Um, you can call me anything you want. Dan, let's, let's, because... let's, go, let's go with doc today, man. Okay. How are you? Okay. And how, are you? So you carved out a little time, man. It's been a, you drinking from a fire hose? Or are you feeling pretty good? Uh, well, I'm feeling really good about where I'm at. I mean, obviously everything is new, so I'm just kind of taking it in and absorbing it. But uh, you know, such is the life of a high school principal, and I, I mean, I love it. This is this is what I was built for. I don't, I don't believe I've ever talked to a two-time principal <laughs> of the year in two different states. I mean, how good are we? How how good are we going to be here? That's 2016 and what was it, 2020? 2021, yeah. 2021. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's tough to come by. Well, it's, I mean, you man, you're starting right off on, right off on a tough one because I don't like talking about myself. Uh, well, see, that's what everybody says, right? Like, <laughs> and, and I've heard this, the consummate servant leader, um, you're all about empowering. But I sometimes I think it's healthy. If you, it's, it's like I've heard before. So sometimes people tell me, I don't know how to ask for help. So I practice asking for help. So I figure I'm a safe spot for you to land in terms of talking about yourself. Well, I mean, you know, that's, that's rare. That's very it's rare. True. I mean, it's, it, accolades are really nice. And, um, I, I don't, I didn't get to this point in my career without standing on the shoulders of a lot of other people. And, um, you know, I have in every every time I talk about this kind of stuff, I always go back and, and thank the teachers and the uh, the other administrators that I've worked with um, who have helped me get to this point because they've really allowed me to do some pretty innovative things. Uh, that being said, um, you know, I will not shy away from telling people that it's hard work. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not an eight to five person. I, I have yet to meet a high school person who is. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there are times at night where I'm working till 1130, sometimes one, trying not to send emails out because I don't want people to feel like they are obligated to get uh, back to me. But, you know, I'm very, very thankful that I have a wife who is also an educator, special educator, 
and she knows the the time and commitment that goes into this. And she's just been really supportive. My kids have been really supportive of me as well. Yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, different things, different things allow you to gravitate towards different people. My wife is obviously in a special education field. My endorsement uh, was K eight mild to moderate as a special education teacher. My father was an educator. Your parents were educators. How, how much of that is an influence on what you do in terms of how you interact. It always seems like you have this, you, you have this learning delivery to you. Like there's something about when you speak, it's like a natural teachable moment. Some of that's gotta be kind of innate just from your background. Yeah, you know, uh, as you mentioned, my dad was a, a shop teacher. He closed down Tech High back when uh, Tech was going and went over to Bryan after that. My my mom was in Omaha Public Schools as a special education teacher, and she moved around. She ended her career to, uh, at Bryan High School as well. And so I grew up around educators uh, all the time, and I saw how they interacted with uh, their colleagues, with custodians, with kitchen workers, with the whole school. And one of the best lessons that I learned from both my parents early on is no matter what position that you're in, you're just you're one piece of the giant puzzle in terms of how a school runs. And so even as I was going through classroom teaching into administration, I was constantly reminded by them that, listen, remember where you came from and just understand that this isn't about you. This is about the people that you serve and your legacy is going to be not uh, what you know, but again, how you made people feel and how you treated them. And so I've just really followed that through my entire life. And um, I don't get too too high on expertise or anything. I mean, I feel like I've got some expertise in some areas, but I'm also always willing to learn. That's why I love engaging conversations because I don't know everything and I, and I, and I, and I crave learning more. How much do you feel that's interesting, right? I always talk about this in terms of a lot of times it's athletics with coaching and hiring assistants. And, you know, I always think it's important to hire people that, are smarter than you, at least to some degree in some other facets, just so you're constantly being challenged and, and hopefully a rising tide can lift all boats without the tension. How, how important is that for you? A lot of people say lifelong learners, but you're not always getting lessons readily available to you. How much of that is surrounding yourself and been being very careful and cautious about who you surround yourself with? It's critical. Um, in fact, your wife might even share this story with you. On our first meeting, I had it was kind of doing it through email as I was transitioning from from Arkansas. But I had uh, the entire administrative team do a compass points activity, so you north, south, east, or west based on your uh, based on your style, because I wanted to see where everybody's at. I I'm pretty self aware of how I am. I'm a north. I don't have any other direction. Like I'm go, go, go all the time. I'll work out the details uh, as we go, but it is so important to me to have other people in different directions who can say, well, slow your roll a little bit. We need to look at, we need to speculate these things. And, you know, I hate what ifing things to death. So I don't like doing that. And then we've got others who need to have all of the details in place before they're act. And then you've also got those people who are really in tune to, uh, the emotional side of things and how decisions are going to be impacted. If you just hire a bunch of people like yourself, 
it'd be miserable. This is going to be a miserable place to work. Fortunately, the team that's surrounding me has a lot of strengths that, I mean, I can access them, but they're not my first access point, but it's their first access point. So as we're having those conversations to be really, really be able to talk through and see how our decisions and how we lead is going to impact others and how we're going to communicate it is so powerful. And so I utilize that information then when I'm hiring new members of our team, because I want to have the holistic picture. And that is sometimes really difficult because people who like a North, like I am, somebody from the South is my polar opposite and probably drives me nuts sometimes just by the way that they approach things. It'd be very easy for me to just go hire a bunch of Norris. I know we get a bunch, we get a bunch of stuff done, but then we're not going to take emotions into account. And so it's important to have those balancing acts and you have to get over yourself and you have to understand that uh, everybody's coming through. And I like to refer to Jim Collins. Everybody's coming to you from a different color on the beach ball. They all have different perspectives. It's how you get to that center point where you can all kind of work together. And so, I mean, I, I surround everything in my leadership around that concept of surrounding yourself with people who are better at your job than you are. So it's interesting because you're in essence coming home, right? As I mean, 1996 was, was the starting point for you as a, as a district, as a West side grad, you talked about your parents and where they taught. I had, there's a little, one of the cool things about you just in, in kind of watching you from afar is there has to be some sort of dynamic. My dad was assistant superintendent of Omaha public schools and he was a central guy and, you know, he loved North and he loved tech. And here I was, I, I chose Northwest. I, I wanted to choose my own path. I was a guy that, that um, I didn't do what my siblings did. I had four brothers and sisters that all went to central and it was a central thing. And then there was this presence to come back to your alma mater and coach, right? It's, it's different when you're invested in where you ca- came from. You're doing your thing in Arkansas. You're, you're doing it well. You get a call or an inquiry, however that comes about, that there's going to be this opening. You got a chance to come back home, but you've been you're pretty good where you're at too. What was that dynamic like? <laughs> well, uh, it it's interesting because this this is my dream job. I mean, this this truly is coming home. Mm. Um, I've got. Two of my three sisters, two of my two, two of my three sisters work in this district, um, and I knew that if Westside ever opened up, that there would be an awesome opportunity for for me to maybe give back to a school district that gave gave a lot to me. Um, and actually, I mean, you probably don't know this, but five years ago, when Westside had a principal opening, uh, I was in Kearney, and I thought about it at that time, but we were just opening up the brand new high school in Kearney and I'm a, I'm tremendously loyal person and I wanted to see a project through. And Mm -hmm. so I gave up my dream job, a chance at my dream job to focus on the community that I was serving at that point. And I just knew playing the administrative calculus, I knew there was going to be another opportunity because I'm fairly young in my, in my professional career. So I just had a lot of, talks with my wife, a lot, uh, a lot of prayer and, you know, thankfully it opened up, but this is a, this, this truly is a homecoming for me. And again, I, w- I would not be the person I am without Westside. 
uh, you know, just the structure, the people and everything. And uh, it feels really good to come back to a drastically different school than what I graduated from in the mid nineties. And I think that my time, my experience in Kearney, my experience in Fayetteville has actually prepared me better for this position had I not had those positions. So I, I just feel really fortunate to be able to have this opportunity. It's interesting. I, um, as I'm kind of connecting the dots of the growth, the first time that I think I actually saw you saw you was when you were at Millard West. Um, they were one of our first games. I was doing broadcast for Cox. You were coaching freshmen there. It's when I met coach Lamangi who was the D-line coach, soon to be defensive coordinator before he hired me at Burke. When you look at, you talked about prayer, right? A lot of things are lining up, right? You're back home. You know, Coach Lamangi's right there with you as your head football coach. Neither one of you two, as far as I can gather. And I asked Coach Lamangi if he even knew uh, what was on the horizon from an administrative level, and he didn't. And I said, well, hey, guess what? Um <laughs> like sense of purpose and belonging and things happening for a reason. How much of that further fueled you that, yep, I'm, I'm absolutely where I need to be. It's all about fit, Damon. Um, and again, I mean, I, I talk about, I talk about prayer and I know that sometimes this not to get into a political realm or anything, but you know, there's always that conversation about bringing, prayer back in school. Well, prayer never left the school. I mean, if you, if you, if you're, if you a person of faith, you bring that wherever you're at. And so you don't need to have a crucifix in your office to think that you're, you're not bringing uh, faith back in the school. I, I just, I, I'm a man of faith. And so I really believe that uh, the good Lord will put you in spots where you need to be. And um, I remember uh, side story. So 2016, I was at Kearney and within a calendar year, we had three student suicides, no. a student die in a house fire. And we had a teacher lose a long battle with cancer, cancer. So we've got five deaths within a calendar year. And it was the, the worst, worst time in my life. I mean, I was all, almost thinking, about leaving the profession just because it, it, it was that awful because everybody's looking at you as the leader to figure out how you're going to uh, navigate this. And so a lot of times in leadership positions, you have to set your own personal feelings aside so you can support those around you. So I really didn't get an opportunity to, to grieve myself, but it was at that point that I got a, a message from my mom that just really resonated with me and it stuck and it kind of goes back to this question that uh, when you get knocked to your knees, that's probably a sign from the good Lord that you need to start praying. And it was at that point, I was like, you know what? You're right. And so all of that has kind of funneled back into, to everything that I'm not choosing where I'm going. I'm being led to where I'm going. And I was led here and, you know, the, we'll, we'll write the next chapter as we continue to go on. So I'm I'm kind of listening and I'm and I'm thinking that's a couple of times I've heard you allude to some something other than yourself as you're kind of along this journey. Mm-hmm. So I'm dying to know where this thing of being other centered kind of came from. I watch you on social media, I hear the stories in the building. It's always about something else 
different or greater than you. That's not that's not human nature. It's not really innate. Like who, where are those outlets? How'd that come about? Well, I mean, you and I probably had very similar paths growing up in terms of athletics and, and, and everything in your teenage years is all about you. It's all about you. I mean, you're the focus and, you know, that's still a little bit of the way I think of like our, our athletes in high school of how they are presenting their brand and all of that stuff that, you know, it's all about you and it's getting out of that mindset that this isn't about you. It's about others. And you will, by lifting others up, you will actually propel yourself even further. And so, um, Again, I, I go back to having two parents who, again, served their whole careers in education, serving others. And, you know, I've had long conversations with my parents, you know, with some of the kids that my parents were working with growing up, I almost felt like they were parenting them more than they were me. I mean, I was kind of a, a blip on the radar during my games during high school. My my parents weren't at my games. My dad was at Brian running the clock for a football game or so. So he wasn't necessarily at my game. So it was a lot of independence growing up, but it wasn't until I actually got into the profession and saw what they were dealing with that it really kind of connected with me that my parents were serving that role for kids who didn't necessarily have that support. I always had them. I knew where I could, where I could find them if I needed help and they were there for me but they filled that role for others. And so then when you start talking, when you start looking at that from a holistic perspective and leading uh, a school, not only are you doing with that kid with kids, you're doing that with the adults in your building too. Cause again, this is not the J show. This is, this is West side high school. This is West side community schools. This is about the community, the kids that we serve. And at the end of the day, I'm all about customer service and that's your parents and your students. So I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I'm thinking, okay, the, the, you're all, you're, it's outcome driven, but you're kind of, your response to things is critical too, right? That just leads me naturally to E plus R equals O, right? The event, what's your response is, what's the desired outcome? At what point did you think you wanted to be in this kind of position of leadership to take, to, to take this on? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm, I, I don't even know if I'm still in the right headspace to, <laughs> you got to be a little crazy to be a high school principal these days. Um, yeah. You know, I, it, uh, let me take it back a little bit. So it's 2001. I'm at Millard West High School. Uh, my wife is pregnant with our first kid. And in education, everybody knows you just, you've got to go get another degree so you can make some more money and support your family. So I was dinking around with what I'm going to do. And uh, Rick Kalowski at Millard West said, you know, you really ought to go into administration. I said, all right, Rick. And so I took the first class and I was hooked after that. I thought that I wanted to be an athletic director. In fact, I had maybe five or six different athletic director interviews set up. And, um, you know, I was applying for middle school principal. I wanted to get into administration. And then finally, uh, Jim Sepp and the outgoing uh, superintendent oh, Miller said, <laughs> he just shot me straight and he said, Jay, do you want to be a middle school principal? I said, no, my ultimate goal is to be a high school principal. He goes, then why are you applying for middle school jobs? Apply for high school jobs. So <laughs> I, I, I sometimes need to get hit over the head with those things. But, um, you know, it, it really, I, while I miss the classroom, every single day. I miss coaching every single day. 
I get to do those things in a different way from this position and really have the potential to make a lasting impact, not only on kids and staff, but on a community. And so um, Fayetteville was a phenomenal opportunity for me because it showed me that, you know, my, my career prior to Fayetteville was Millard and Kearney. Not very diverse. It wasn't Fayetteville, was it? <laughs> it wasn't Fayetteville. Fayetteville was very diverse. It was a great opportunity. It allowed my kids to grow up in a community, spend some of their life that they had never experienced before. It was good. But at the same time, it allowed me to see what I was missing out on. I felt like I was, as I was going through this, I realized I led a very sheltered life up until this point. And had it not been for the Fayetteville experience, I don't think I would be prepared for the Westside experience because Westside is a very different school, again, than what it was when you and I were in high school. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I'm I'm thinking, okay, I don't. It's not coincidence, right? Things happen for a reason. Much like when we made the decision, you know, I was at Omaha North for for nine years, and I'm coaching, and we're kind of doing our thing, and we're racking up state championships. And I got this young kid in my household who says, you know what? Yeah. I don't really want to go to your high school. I want to, I want to do some different things. And so, you know, we were taking a look around and, and uh, Dr. Lucas was a guy that I trust. And he says, you know, you, you ought to take a look at, at Westside. And I said, no, he says, DB, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's different. It's, it's not like you think. And I said, Doc, you know, last time I spent an inordinate amount of time at Westside, I was I was with the school district. I was our liaison. I was our transition coordinator for the district. So I was transitioning kids from the Douglas County Youth Center back into Omaha Public Schools. I worked in the Title I department. And I said, the last time I spent a couple of days at Westside, we were basically going through transitioning and how to better serve special needs students because – at that time, I think the caseload was roughly 12 or 13 in the district. And I couldn't believe that that was just at, at one high school. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know about that doc. And, you know, so we, we spent a couple of days there. He, Caleb wanted to come back. Um, we got into this modular scheduling. The student population looks so much different then I think people would assume or think, Doc, I got to admit, I was, I was floored. So I know if you haven't been in that building in as long as you have, you had to be thinking to yourself, okay, this, 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 this is different. It is. And, you know, having two sisters who have been in the district for a long time, I've always keep tabs on it. And I, I've heard some of the things that they're trying to do and, um, so when the opportunity came up again, we had just come off in Fayetteville uh, implementing uh, equal opportunity schools. So advancing uh, student, uh, student growth in AP courses for students of color and students of poverty. And uh, we've gone through a ton of implicit bias training and increasing our staff uh, uh, minority ratio of like 25% within two years. I mean, it, all of these things that were 
that you get you get experience and you get to be a part of. And of course, it's the South too, so it has its own history of 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 working through those, and then making that connection to Westside. Like, you know what? I think I can bring something to this and maybe help people uh, understand that. Um, again, Westside is like Omaha. I mean, it represents our community now. It did not represent our community in the early 90s. It does now. And making sure that people understand that this is this is a great school with great teachers and great kids that is representative of our community. I think I just I want to shout it from the rooftops that because again, I think a lot of people hold that same uh, same image that Westside really no it does. You just gotta, you gotta dig a little bit deeper because it's not the West side of old. So, so I'm thinking in my head, okay, these sports analogies, which I, I try to, they're always present and I'm thinking, okay, I'm listening to you. I always think coaches, coach, coordinators, coordinators, coach, position coaches, position coaches, coach players. Does your joy come from coaching and modeling your staff or is it the interaction with the kids? It's both. Um, you know, as I was transitioning, I sat in on a meeting during uh, during our, what was Fayetteville spring break, and they were talking about supervision of games. And, you know, after the meeting, I told Tom, I said, hey, Tom Kirkman, uh, our AD, I said, uh, you can count on me being at every football, basketball game, home or away. I mean, I'm going to be there because I need that. So I have that interaction with kids because I don't get to see that. I don't get to see that on a daily basis, but at the same time, I love working with adults um, because, you know, teaching is a very isolating profession. And sometimes the only encounters that you get to have are with kids in, in the range of 15 to 19 years old on a daily basis. That takes its toll on people, but being able to coach, uh, adults is also a passion of mine. So this is a great position because I get to do both of them. So I love it's, it. Yeah, I So you're right, right? You've got, and I'm just going to tell you, like when I saw you, the, val- the value added feedback on our table, it's it. I like, and I'm, I'm going to get into a couple of these quotes. I like where I think your strengths are because I, I get the sense that people are around you. There is no guesswork. Right. Like people pretty much know how you think. Right. They know where they stand. The open, honest communication. This is a stretch where sometimes peers don't always receive that well. Right. It's Mm. sometimes they don't want to hear it or or if they do, it has to be said a certain way. And you, you go through, you know, peers handling peer communication. How'd you make that a strength as you're kind of coming with this book, which you actually call it's value added feedback like yeah (laughs) just saying that out loud it's like well what are you going to tell me like the natural inclination well so i got to go back to some work that i did with a guy by nathan eckland he had a consulting firm called eckland consulting that is now going into this uh this company called vital but he came out to carney oh i want to say almost 12 years ago now And, you know, we were talking about school culture and one of the things that he brought up and I, I will never forget it. In fact, the West side staff is going to hear about this. Well, um, David, do you ever watch shark week? Oh, that's my favorite animal. If I believed in reincarnation, I would be a great white shark. 
Okay. It's so right if you are, right in my wheelhouse. if you're, in, if you're in the middle of the ocean and you're, you, some, some, you go, you go overboard. Okay. And now you got sharks just circling you. Everything in your being would tell you like, Oh my God, I need to get back in this boat or I'm going to get eaten. Mm-hmm. But you have to counteract that with, you got to stay calm. You got to stay calm when you're being circled because when sharks see all that flashing in the water, they think that's a threat. I'm going to go eat that person. If they think they're, if you're calm, they're going to come up and nose around you and kind of see what, what the deal is. And in that moment, you punch it right in the nose. (laughs) Then a shark knows that you're a threat. So it's called punching the shark. You take that into an analogy of, how do you deal with the sharks in your life? And some, sometimes, and this is all Nathan Eklund, so I'm repeating and I'm probably not telling the story the same as he does, but um, we all have sharks in our life and I'm not promoting physical violence of pu- uh, punching them in the face. I'm saying identify who your sharks are and swim towards it to have those conversations. Sometimes oh, yeah. and teachers are, teachers are notorious for this. They'd rather go for uh, rather go around about ways and never talk to the individual person. If you don't know who your sharks are, Damon, if you don't know who your sharks are, go home and talk to Jenny tonight. She'll be able to tell you who your sharks are because you talk about them all the time. And that uh, once you find out who they are, go have a conversation with them to say, you know what, when you show up late, that's like the worst part of my day. It doesn't, I don't want to come to work because of the interactions that we have. You, you lay it on them in a very professional way. You're always talking about how it makes you feel because if it's your so feeling. Does that manifest itself like complaining? Is that what we hear when you say we talk about it all the time? Yep, pretty much. And so if you approach that conversation by saying, when you do this, I feel this way. Or when you do that, I feel this way. They can't come back at you because they're your feelings. And it's how, it's how you're making your feel. So teaching people how to have difficult conversations with folks that they disagree with is one of the most important things that we can do in our schools because adults don't always get along. doesn't mean we're always going to agree, but I, whenever I get approached by an issue, and I'm sure they're probably going to get sick. Let's say, Damon, you walked to my office and said, hey, I am having a problem with so-and-so. My standard response to people is, well, Damon, I can have that conversation for you. But before I do, I want to ask you one question. Is that going to make the relationship between you and that person better or worse if I have the conversation? What's the desired outcome? Yeah. What's the desired outcome? <laughs> oh, that is so good. So when did you learn? Um, I just, you know, I was looking through the book the other day. When did you learn the difference in power between but and and? when you were having conversations with people, you know, because, because, but is kind of a set aside, like, yeah, that's cool. But, but, and is more of an acknowledgement that you understand what's going on. When did button and change roles for you? Or was it always about the end? It's always been about the end. Uh, and I catch myself every now and then saying, yeah, but yeah, but um, just realizing that we don't, live in a binary binary world i mean there's always ands and just understanding that and coming to grips with the fact that 
just because you think a certain way doesn't mean that it's the only way. There are other things to do. So we can do this and we can do that. We, it doesn't have to be my way or the highway. Obviously, there are going to be some things that are just very spelled out, like we have to do it these ways. But again, education is not so, that's the art of education. It's not so formulaic that you have to do it in these steps. You can get to, to different points by exploring and being open to different ideas. Again, I, I'm not a micromanager. I, I mean, I, there are things that I'd like done a specific way, but if that doesn't work for you, then that's where the and comes in. Then do it your way. As long as you're getting the job done, we're fine. <laughs> so how do, how are you pulling off both jobs as you're transitioning <laughs> from Fayetteville coming here? I, I think I did it. I mean, I don't know. Uh, again, I, I'm a self-professed workaholic. I mean, I'm working all the time. Um, fortunately for me, I let Fayetteville know soon enough. They found my replacement. So I was doing a lot of transition work with their new principal and their new principal actually came from my administrative team there. And so uh, she was already kind of in the fold. So a lot of those things were turned over to her and I was just there as support. Uh, but the transition here was tough because when you're six hours away and there's a lot of issues going on and you're trying to figure out how, who you're going to hire. It, it was tough, but I think it ultimately goes down to just being highly communicative and open. So, um, you know, I had all of our staff fill out a start, stop, continue survey. What do we need to start doing at Westside? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to continue doing? And they fill it out in a Google form. It was confidential for me. I'm the only one who's seen those results. And I responded to every single one of them with a personal email back because I wanted to know that they were being heard. It's their story. I need to learn from their perspective. And that's what's kind of guiding everything that's leading up to the beginning of the school year is based off of their feedback, not my own personal uh, image of what I think should happen or my experiences at Westside. It's about what they want to make sure that they have ownership in the school and that they feel good about coming to work every day. Cause as you and I both know, I don't want anybody coming to work where this is like the worst part of their day. If that's the case, then they need to do something else. It's interesting because a lot of what you're saying is almost like conflict resolution, but yeah. we're using it in an edu mm -hmm. an educational setting for peer-to-peer -peer deals. Let me get you out of here on this doc, as you've been so gracious with now what's going to soon be 40 minutes. So I apologize. <laughs> um, you're fine. I love this stuff. <laughs> so you have ideas, you know, what's worked. You have a tremendous track record. You've probably you've developed some confidence and some know-how. What's the practical application of understanding a new audience, implementing what you think know you know works versus understanding what you've inherited to begin with? Like those two worlds, I mean you've had some, you've got you've got educators in the building that have been there a while. You have you have kids that are used to saying things a certain way. I mean, there's always this kind of, do I come in and kick the door in? Am I, am I feeling myself out? You, you come highly credentialed and highly respected. That, that's, a, that's a feel thing. It, it is. Uh, but again, it's also being willing to listen and develop what those themes are. So, I mean, there's some no-brainers. For example, uh, you know, I sent a summer newsletter out to families about some of the things that are going on. Well, 
one of the big things was, and it happened over spring break, so I'll use this as an example. Uh, previously, students parked on one end of the building and they came in a separate, separate entrance. And I'm sure this probably ruffled a lot of feathers, but I asked the question, why are our kids not coming through our safe and secure entrance of the, the front of our school? Well, we thought about the idea of, well, why aren't we doing it? Let's just do it. This makes sense. This is, we're trying to provide a safe and secure environment for our kids. So we did that. And of course, you know, there's always going to be questions that come up about that, but that's, that's a safety and security thing. That's the, of the utmost importance for our students and our staff. So we're going to do that. Now, when we start looking at other things like homeroom, which is a really hot topic at Westside, well, we can slow play that. We can, we can slow play that a little bit and maybe kind of get some more feedback before we make some, some changes. So that, that doesn't come over. You talk about the feel that yeah. doesn't come overnight because I guarantee you, if you were to talk to some of the folks at Kearney high school, when Jay Dostal was 32 years old and became the high school principal, I was a bull in China shop. We're going to do it this way, this way, this way. You have to learn those things over the price. And so Brian Maher, I'm going to, I'm going to give you this one because it was uh, it's kind of what has guided me a lot. Brian Maher was the superintendent in Kearney when, when I got hired for my first principal job. And I remember sitting down at one point having a conversation with him. And he said to me, he said, Jay, when your wisdom or when your skill or when your knowledge uh, catches up with your, excuse me, when your, when your skills and knowledge advance, you're really going to become um, messing up the quote. I can say it in my head. When your skills and knowledge become so that you uh, have had those experiences, that's when you're going to become a wise leader. Right now, you're not a wise leader. Your skills and your your knowledge are far outweighing your uh, wisdom. Unequally yoked. Yes. So <laughs> over time, that's going to balance it out. And you know that's terrible feedback to get at the time because you're like, man, I thought I was doing everything well. I think I'm better now because of that, because my skills, my knowledge have, have caught, or my wisdom has caught up with my skills and knowledge. All right. So at, at your 32 years of age and you get that feedback <laughs> six years, five, seven years later, do you think you'd get here? No, honestly, this was like the, Isn't that uh, something? this is the, what is it? In a hot tub time machine, great white Buffalo. This is the great white Buffalo. <laughs> You know, I never thought I was going to get to uh, get to this point, but um, I'll tell you what, I'm, I I wake up, we moved into our house a couple of weeks ago and the past two weeks have just been amazing. I wake up every morning thinking I got to go to Westside High School and work there in the place that I graduated from in the community that helped raise me. And I have an unbelievable opportunity to give back to everybody who poured so much into me. Even when I was a giant puke in high school, I'm still going to be able to give that give back to them. I thought you were going to say you're thankful that you found a place to live. <laughs> I mean, you got a bag pad for that one. Hey, we're trying, and I'm I'm still on the outside looking in. I could I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything, but I'll be spending. A, so I will. Uh, we we found something outside of the district, but. I'm, uh, my son, who's going to be a junior, is coming to Westside High School. He's going to graduate from the school that his dad graduated from. My wife is going to work at Westside Middle School. Uh, yeah, so we're all in on Westside. It's it's 
We may not live in the district, but we are going to support the heck out of it. I tell you what, I hope your wife doesn't have my son because he's just starting his first year at Westside Middle. And she sees the name Benning, tell her, run, don't walk. (laughs) Doc, I appreciate it, man. I knew you wouldn't disappoint. I've been waiting a long time to catch up. Well, man, I got to tell you, when you texted me last night, I was sitting there right next to my, uh, my wife, and I said, oh, my gosh, Damon Benning asked me to be on his podcast. Oh. She goes, what? What? And I said, Damon Benning. Do you know who Damon Benning is? No. <laughs> you grew up in Nebraska, you don't know who Damon Benning is? It's and smart. Goes, <laughs> and I said, but I get to be on a podcast. And she goes, oh, you're going to geek out of this, aren't you? I was like, yes. So I t- that's when I text you back and said, heck, yes, I want to do this. You know, hey, what? 52 minutes later, you're like, why did I do it? This is this has been so awesome. I love connecting with people. In fact, that's my my one word for 2022 is connect. And so this is a great opportunity to not only connect with you uh, as a person, but also as a as a parent and as a spouse of somebody who works on my team. And so that is that. That's awesome. And I just, I mean, I'm tickled that you even thought of me to do that because I don't feel like I have that much influence, but the fact that you would ask me is, is tremendous. Uh, You have no idea. You make it pretty easy, (laughs) easier than you think. (laughs) Appreciate your time, doc. I'll see you at the building. All right. Sounds good. That's another episode of playing it forward. He's great. Um, It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm excited for what the district has in store. Leadership. I talk about leadership, surrounding yourself with people that are pulling in the same direction. Dr. Lucas, Dr. Dostal. That's quite a tandem. That's Batman and Robin, and we're excited for DC Comics. We'll be back next week with another episode of Planet Forward. A Huda Media Production.